Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, bots and cons to Tech Talk, the officially unofficial Transformers TCG podcast. I'm joined, as always, by Scott of VectorSigma.info. And uh, Scott, I uh, had to ride the pine this weekend, this past weekend, at the time of this recording, because I couldn't make it out. But word on the street is a a few things happened. Yeah, agreed. (laughs) It, It sounded like, from me watching it, and if you haven't already, anybody out there that's listening or watching... Um, you can check out the Vector Sigma YouTube page. There were some daily coverages, you know, quick stuff to give people a taste of what went on at Origins, which was our, the first, I don't want to say the first real organized play event, but it kind of was. Um, yeah, I mean, it was from, from the angle of what they consider to be organized play. I mean, having a tournament is not the same, uh, like, you know, having a tournament is not the same as, like, the company officially supporting a tournament with this type of situation and it, it counting towards something else. I mean, there could have been other things going on. No one was doing them in terms of, like, qualifier type events and things like that. But right, it certainly is the first official, like, company supported event for sure. It, exactly. Which is, as we saw from the response and we talked about on previous shows, that it it is a big deal even though it feels like it shouldn't be. And the only reason I say that is, as you stated, Scott, other people have been running events. Obviously, we've had art stuff locally. Other people throughout the country and throughout the world have been running their own stuff. But it does lend an air of authority, I guess, when it officially comes down and Wizard steps in and says, hey, here you go. You want to play Transformers in an official capacity? Here it is. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know if this is the show that we learn really get in this, but I, oh, yeah. I, I, I can tell you that like there have been numerous people from other games that I've been friends with that have reached out to me specifically at and after origins more than it was i would say before origins because they probably just even know the announcement happened period right um until this so like yeah it's definitely it was definitely game changing for the game in general absolutely yeah and and it's a welcome addition and again it sounded like it was a great time so i guess to start off any highlights or things that you wanted to point out right away before we dive into particulars about Origins, whether it's Origins, the convention? Because I personally have been to Gen Con multiple times, but never to Origins. Or how it shaped out with pastimes running everything. With uh, My understanding was that there were some, or was some official Wizards presence there. Yeah, Ken Nagel and John Shork were there. Um, so it was good to finally meet them in person, even though I know I met Ken years ago. Through Magic, um, where when we were both Magic players, um, which we kind of remember, we're like, yeah, I know we met in the past. It was nice to finally meet John mm-hmm. um, in person because I've talked to him many times, obviously. Right. Um, I, I think when I was talking to John for past times, I think he mentioned to me that uh, attendance at Origins, and I, I don't think this is Transformers related necessarily, but um, was up like four or five percent this year. Oh wow! To other years. So, um, the expected attendance, and again, we had conversations about, like, we didn't think it was going to be all this well attended. And I I know for a fact that this well exceeded what Wizards and Pastimes was hoping for the game. Um, which, I mean, I don't think that means, like, they weren't expecting a lot. It's just that we know what the timing was of the situation with the announcement. They were being realistic about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a downer. It's just, okay, reasonably, you got to do a whole weekend or, you know, you might have to travel real life, blah, blah, blah. I think they were just going in 
framing it a certain way. Yeah, and I and I, I a couple things to note are there were a good amount of players that were there just to play Transformers. And now that's great that, news. Yeah, and I think that's a big deal. Like, I mean, obviously we were there just to play Transformers, but I think. I think you won't always have that necessarily, especially on this short of notice. And right. there were definitely people that traveled from far away, like more hours than the seven hours I drove to get there. And mm. this was specifically why they went, if not solely why they went. I mean, there was a couple of people that were doing other things, I'm sure. But like, this was a big reason that a lot of the, at least the community, obviously I interacted with was there. And I didn't see them doing other things. Um, from a convention standpoint, I mean, like, Everything was great for me. I mean, like, the card hall was moved to basically where the dealer hall used to be. Um, food court was good. Uh, nice. Restaurants around there were good. The hotel we stayed at was, you know, a 10-minute Uber ride away. That was good. Nice. Um, the Pride Parade was going on the same weekend. That's like, pretty and, cool. And that, that was cool. And, like, it didn't really screw up traffic all that badly as, like, people warned us. Like, it really wasn't a big deal at all. Awesome. Um, so that was good. I didn't make it over to North Market just because of the timing, like, the one night we were going to go over there to get dessert, like, it was closed by the time I get over there because our dinner place took forever. Um, I heard, uh, I guess, because of both the other events as well as the uptick in Origins attendance that there were, we'll call it challenges, trying to find a place to eat. Yeah, we actually, like, on Saturday, we didn't play in the second qualifier. We actually went um, back towards our hotel. There was a, like, super high-end outdoor mall. Like, imagine... I'll just, I mean, no one else is going to get this, but like imagine King of Prussia as an outside mm. mall, like, you know, like the high end store yeah, like, yeah. as a high end mall. So we went to like some really nice restaurant there just to like get away and like, yeah, we weren't going to stay. So it was better than walking to some other place. But I mean, like, we, we had a couple reservations at, at nicer places by the convention center, but like, we couldn't get reservations before like 8 30 at night. Any event ended at like five. And it was like, what am I going to do for three and a half hours? So, yeah. I know I wouldn't you know, be able to stomach that. I, I quite literally couldn't stomach it. I need to eat. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, and we can get into this. I mean, this, this has to do with the tournament, but there wasn't a lot, obviously a lot of time between rounds to like yes. grab food or grab or anything. So um, we just kind of, we stayed around there every other day, but um, Saturday we decided to like just veg out and get ready for Sunday and eat. I think that's allowed. <laughs> so, so, yeah. Well, spoiler alert, uh, the reason you guys had to veg out a little bit, or maybe not needed to, but probably wanted to, was a lot of a lot of Vector Sigma people ended up playing on Sunday, which was really awesome. So we're going to get into the details for that. But again, if you haven't already, you can check it out on the YouTube page that all the guys did daily stuff. If you're also curious as to, you know, what a little bit about what happened when it was fresh in everyone's mind. Um, yep. And then... Spoiler alert also for later on, Scott, the game plan is that we're going to be doing a, or the other team members are going to be putting together, and Dan already did, a lot of their thoughts pen to paper style. I hope so. I don't. I haven't got commitments from everybody else, but we'll see. Okay. <laughs> well, at least we can say that, that that already happened with Dan, right? And uh, my thoughts are going down on paper for other Patreon reasons, so yes. Okay. Uh, so we have that, to, but we'll we'll get into greater detail later on so yep one of the first things that i wanted to pick your brain about was actually what i'm throwing up on screen now if you're if you're watching it and that is the actual qualifier into we'll call it the main event structure 
So be open. Yep. Yep. A lot of these will bleed. A lot of these topics are going to bleed into one another, and we'll probably circle back. But for anybody who's not familiar with it, essentially, you played in one or one to up to four events. If you top eight in one of those, or you placed high enough, and the people above you already qualified, the qualifications would pass down in right. order to make it to the main event. Air quotes on Sunday, which was the top thirty-two, and then that was single elimination. Uh, we can get into all the other specifics later, but obviously Scott, both you and I played in a number of qualifiers. I have not played in something similar to this. I don't think it was usually, you know, you played qualifiers months ago or weeks ago, or maybe a last chance qualifier, which I guess you kind of look at these as, and then you show up for nationals. You show up for, you know, whatever the big event is that sometime in the future, did how do you feel that this played out like did you like this format was it you had mentioned already that a lot of them well they they took a long time but any other thoughts about the format itself i mean it made it into a destination event Mm -hmm. um i mean like you were you i like the i like the fact there was multiple ways to qualify like so you could have a bad day or a bad tournament and come back the next day or later that day and 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 pick yourself right back up, play a different deck if you wanted to, or just change a few cards or just improve yourself in some way, shape, or form, I guess. Oh, right, get right. Your head back, get, back, get your head back in the game or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I was fine with it. Um, I, I think I think the only thing I would probably change is, I mean, I, I guess the argument, and, and, and we the Gen Con schedule that's out is not official yet because it hasn't been, I guess, picked up by Gen Con or something like that. I don't really understand the specifics. Okay. Um, but you'll notice that the Gen Con qualifier schedule is quite different um, where it doesn't use Sunday as the open. So, like, you have two qualifiers each day. Yes. Uh, where, they, where they bleed into each other. And that's, a we, again, again, that's another whole other thought we can get into. But yeah, here you are able to start and finish every event, which is going to be the will be the meat of the other topic, I guess, about Gen Con. But, um, yeah. So you were able, like, you were playing in mini tournaments where you had to, you know, do well. And it just gave you an opportunity, like, it gave me an opportunity to, like, I played in, I only wanted to play in two. And I played two different decks. Dan played in three, played three different decks. Mark played in three, played three different decks. Power played in two different decks, etc. Like, it gave you an opportunity to just play different things to make a decision for what you wanted to play on Sunday, I mean, I think right. the best part about it is that you weren't locked into playing a certain deck because you played it um, in the qualifier. I also think the other thing that was good is that the top 32 was completely random, so it's not like you played the people that you made top 8 with or something like that. Right. Um, so I thought that was another That was unique to me. I, I don't think it's that I dislike it. It's just that kind of surprised me a little bit that that was ultimately what it was and it wasn't just brackets essentially it was bracketed like every round was not random like i know Mm. i've heard a lot of other commentary that i I think people didn't understand that like i knew who i was going to play like i knew if i was to win like my top 16 match for example i knew who my top eight opponents could have been right i could tell who was on like one side of the quote bracket and one side and who was on the other side of the bracket like Mm -hmm. i knew i knew like when we got to top eight who everyone's top four opponents were like it, it was obvious that it was because it was obvious it was bracketed because like people i played against then played against somebody else etc so like it was i knew it was bracketed they didn't like 
host the brackets. But it wasn't, um, but it, you qualified in event one, so all of you get dumped into bracket one, is what correct. you're saying. Correct, and that's, that's good, in my opinion, because that would actually, that would cause issues if it was done that way, because you would actually, if you were, certain people were good enough to qualify in more than one event, what do you do? Choose which one? Because you're like, why should your qualification pass down? Why, why should you get quote punished because you, because you qualified early? So I'm, I'm glad that it was completely random. Yeah. Um, I can see that. Top 32. It's definitely a unique thing. Again, outside looking in since I wasn't able to attend, but it, I don't think I've played in anything with a similar structure, which again is not bad. It's just, you know, it's one other interesting factoid, I guess, or because of the way it was run. Um, but as a whole, it sounds like, did everybody else share your, I guess, enthusiasm for it? Was it, was it uh, widespread grumbling or was everybody kind of thumbs up all around for this particular structure? I mean, I think it was good. I, I mean, I think I don't, I didn't hear any complaints about, you know, there being all the events. I think the only complaint, I think the only issue that wound up happening, and again, I guess this is a good problem to have, is that there were two of them on Saturday. And so, like, mm. if you were on the bubble of the early Saturday one, I remember, first of all, they moved the start time back an hour, so it went from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Yes. Um, as to when to start. And then from there, um, they, you still had to make a decision, because I guess we started at 11, and because of, again, all the time issues, like... I don't think the six the six rounds were certainly not. I think the sixth round was just about to begin, uh, or something like that. I think I think that's actually what happened. Like you could choose like what to do if you were going to stay in or not, right. um, or or maybe they maybe it did end right when the other one ended. Like there was there's but there was no break whatsoever. Like you basically had to finish your match before time if you wanted to get into the other one. So like gotcha. you, there were people who did not wait for standings to occur before they decided whether or not they were going to get into the last one or not. And to be right. honest with you, that's going to happen at Gen Con also. Especially given... Gonna be even, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It's going to be worse. I mean, right. Right. So you, I think you have to make a conscious decision at certain points whether or not you're going to stay in or not. Well, it's also going to be interesting because, and we're going to get into it when we talk about time constraints for this event, but even putting aside, you know, control-on-control matchups or even just generally blue kind of things... Gen Con's also going to be the first time that a lot of people are playing in a competitive environment with a whole bunch of new cards. Mm-hmm. So it's naturally going to ne- not negatively impact their decision-making, but it's going to influence their decision-making for obvious reasons. Yeah, I would agree. So it's it's definitely going to be interesting, and I agree with you that if you're planning on attending Gen Con, maybe have a game plan <laughs> or figure out how to determine what your odds are if your goal is to try and top eight, like at a certain point, you you may have to cut your losses and say, all right, I'm going to skip out on these last two rounds. I might make it, but I'd rather get some food and go in fresh for the second event. And I think that decision is going to change differently each day as well, because, you know, we only had, a, we had a situation here where I think, I don't know what happened in the last one. I don't because I don't know. I just know who qualified. I don't know all eight people who qualified through the last one, but I know some of them. Um, so I don't know exactly like what the standings were versus who qualified. But I know the only time that any of the qualification slots actually passed down were in the third one, so the Saturday one, um, mm. where because Dan and Mark both made top eight and those and were already qualified, and that's the only time that the slots passed down to nine, ten, and beyond. Okay, so technically like 
you know, two people got in it. Obviously, they didn't make top eight, but like, you know, that more people were alive in that situation. I think that's going to happen more in the later qualifiers, obviously not in the first one. So you have to just be prepared for that as well. Exactly. There's a, um, I was going to say gamesmanship, but I'm not sure that's the, the word I want to use. But you have to have a certain awareness about the tournament itself, like it, almost a meta skill of understanding where your chances are sort of thing. Yeah, and this isn't a podcast to talk about that, but like, oh, yeah. it's understanding like how many people are attended the tournament versus like where the cutoffs are for certain rounds. And right. like, so therefore you should know what your expected record to make top eight is, et cetera. So. Exactly. So uh, I think that would kind of do it for at least the, the structure itself, unless there was any, anything else interesting you wanted to throw in there. No, no, it was good. I mean, my people have commented about like the single elimination nature of the top 32, but I mean, you got to make a single elimination cut at some point. I have no problem. What would with be the, being... what would be the alternative? Swiss on the last day, like another five round event, and then oh, like cut to a top four, or top eight from there. I don't know. I don't have a problem with it the way it is now. Yeah, but I, I mean, okay. I would say people were very nervous because of, and again, I believe this will change over time. But like, <laughs> there's only 16 people right now qualified for the Energon Invitational in December. So like, uh-huh. people were nervous that like they weren't going to get qualified. And that, believe me, this was your best chance to qualify. Oh, I've for sure, n- numerous times. But like. I don't think this, like, there was a lot on the line for one match. Um, and I think yeah. people were putting even more pressure on themselves, thinking just how much was on the line. Like, oh, if I don't qualify here, there's 10 people back home, they're going to be playing in three-store championships, or I have to go to Gen Con, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was a lot on the line in one yes. match, but I don't have a problem with it. Like, you got to make a cut at some point, so I had no issue with it. Yeah, I could see that. I could see the argument to... Going the other way, as you were describing, if it was qualifying for, I guess, a, another tournament, although you kind of are anyway, just n- not make it single limb. Uh, I'm sure there are logistical reasons that drive that. You know, you you don't need, if it's a five-round event, plus top X, you're, you're looking at like another eight-hour day minimum kind of thing. I mean, Sunday was much more about your matchups than the other days were. That's the issue. That I think some people have pointed out, um, and I don't disagree mm. with that at all. But like, I think that that played to this the decision of what deck to play for mm. us at least, right? Um, knowing that going in, so it's just again, it's just a you just have to adapt to what's put in front of you. Like, I don't of course I'll play whatever whatever people want me to play, so it's fine with me. But by the same token, you're saying that it influenced your decision. We'll probably talk about this additionally later as well, but. Just to reiterate, you didn't necessarily know who or what you were playing against going in, so it wasn't a matter of, well, I think this is a better matchup. It's just, I guess we'll we'll get into bit more detail about what drove you to choose certain things for the final day. Yeah, that's fine. So, um, just real quick, because I saw a bunch of people popping up in chat. Um, uh, Focus Flute saying that he did just go for Transformers. He did like the format. Uh, Dan was chiming in saying that. The second event on Saturday started before standings were even released for the first. Yeah, standings, but I, I think you could have gotten in it if you finished the round earlier than, like, technically it's it's finale or whatever. You might have been able to figure like, it out, I'm, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I, I remember my opponent, I'm like, you might want to go get into that one, like, you know, after we finished. So. Right. Uh, he's also saying that 
he was confirming about the uh, invites passing down, but you had yeah. said that. So, so uh, moving on from there, the next hot topic, I guess, is one that actually today Ken Nagel released an article talking about it or the general idea. And that is, it sounded like there were some issues with time constraints across the various events. Uh, yeah, I don't know that that's how I would state it, but sure. Well, it, so then how would you state it, Scott? Let me know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think by saying that there's a constraint saying that, that implies there's an issue with it. And and talking to him Mm. on site, like we had a long conversation about this Uh. after the event, um, specifically him, myself and a couple others on the team specifically and John, um, it's it's the con like I would have agreed with what you said initially with a constraint and saying like oh ten, add ten minutes to the round, but his whole point and I talked to John from past times about this earlier in the weekend was they want players to adapt to a faster schedule like they don't want to adapt the game to the players so they see that as like they see it as just the way the game is played that it's not a restraining factor on you know the ability to finish games or anything like that like that we just need to adapt in the communities I would argue that the community probably needs to adapt um so bottom line play faster <laughs> i mean play more methodically i would say like don't like understand that not even though the, the the game has a tremendous amount of decision points like that they're understand your lines of play better than um better than you did in this event and i would also say <sighs> like it's very difficult in this game to pick up a deck and off the street and just play it because of the number of decisions that need to be made. Right. So if that line hadn't been taken at all times, we wouldn't have gotten this situation. Um, The the issue is that there was a lot of unintentional draws because of the number of newer players to the tournament structure. Right. And, and so that's more of the issue I think than anything else. But I think part of what the article doesn't address and that he and I, discussed was there were some because the timing is constraining um there's some periphery things that just can't go on like you they started the rounds extremely fast um like here's here's the pairings and then within two minutes find your seat and the round's about to begin so like no time to shuffle no like unless you got to your seat fast no time to like chit chat no time to like so you're hypothetically you know. losing out between, oh, well, I'm coming out of the bathroom or something. Oh, pairings are up. Run over there. Go find the table or try and squeeze in between everybody. Sit down. Shuffle up. You may have missed a few minutes at the beginning of the round is what you're saying? Yeah, if you're not, if you don't finish your round before time is called, you can't leave the area. Like, you will get there's a high percentage chance you will get a game loss for showing up to the round late. If you are like round just ended, I'm going to the bathroom. Like if no one's in time, you're done. Like you're getting a game loss for the next round guaranteed. Wow. That's, they just uh, started them so fast. Like the, you know, mm-hmm. I understand and that. I, and given that they went to so late, I mean, it even indicates that the 5 PM went to 11 PM, which in the grand scheme oh, of no, things, it went, it, went, it went later than that. It went later. Than that. Oh, all right. He, the, yeah. I'm pulling it. I'm looking at the article now. So I was just pulling that out of there, but it went, it, it went later than that. So it went, however late it went, to me a I guess a reasonable tournament length, but obviously it's a very long day for everybody involved, especially if you played in both. And I get the 
logistics of you got to keep the ball rolling you got to stay on top of people and like you need to be at a certain place at a certain time to make sure everything's done reasonably but i guess my question is and maybe you could illuminate this is the issue just we don't like draws like is that what it boils down to no i mean that would imply that you would have a longer time frame if you didn't want to have draws well, it, it potentially, because it was also suggested in the article, or the way I'm reading it, and again, it could be me, it doesn't sound like extending the time limit for rounds is, it, yes, it's on the table, but it's not really an option. It sounds like there was way more interest in going towards defining potentially harsher end-of-round proceedings. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Which is where I'm going with it, that it sounds like the the goal is just we don't want draws one way or another. Shout out to all our our furry four-legged co-hosts. Mine is, uh, she didn't want to come down here tonight. (laughs) uh, Go ahead. I'm more fine with there being a defined structure for determining winner than anything else to be honest with you Mm. although i do believe that there would be certain play styles that would take advantage of that maybe and that would have to be monitored so i good sorry no i mean that that would just be that's all i'll say about that i guess because i'm not i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because we aren't even in that rabbit hole yet oh yeah yeah. go down it my having played other games where draws were a no-no like they're the way the end of match proceedings worked you could not draw if if you manage to find a way that like both of you died at the same time, even if you were in time, you started a new game that would have a limited number of turns, and then you would just keep doing that until there was an actual winner and loser. It didn't matter how long it took or how many games. Obviously, it never got super extreme, but personally, I find that more frustrating than just taking an unintentional draw. Sure, it doesn't feel good, to draw but why didn't i play faster why didn't if i felt my opponent was slow playing why didn't i call a judge why didn't a number of things happen rather than, i don't think any none, none of this was about slow play though this was about right i'm, I'm just saying that like it, i'm not calling it out because i didn't see anything that indicated that was the case but again maybe i'm misreading what has been said and what as what i'm reading but it sounds like the the issue is the draws. Otherwise, it, it, both solutions, either adding more time or harsher end-of-game proceedings, are trying to solve that particular issue, it seems like. Again, unless I'm misunderstanding. Well, the point about adding more time is that all you're doing is, like, I mean, you're just allowing procrastination to rule because, like, if somebody had an hour, there'll still be people going to an hour. If people had 50 minutes, there's people going to 50 minutes. So... I understood their point there with that. Well, to me, I I do get that, but is it... That situation is not perfect, but is it better than what we have, I think, is the better way to look at it. I don't think there's anything wrong with what we have. I just think that there's... I think... uh, And I said this numerous times to Mm. him, and this needs to be enforced at the local level so the players that show up to these events are not unexpected in playing in this style. Right. And I think because this was the first event, that's why it's happening. But oh yeah. Like this this must be enforced at at 
uh, Energon Invitational qualifiers by somebody on site that is... I mean, there's no official judges, so I don't really know how it's going to be enforced, but by the store, by whatever, and the timing rules need to be enforced, like, at the local level, at at least at the minimum of that level of play. And then I think it'll start to sink in over time. Yeah, I I agree with you that it is, it's going to take an adjustment. We've mentioned many times that this is a lot of people's first card game, let alone first competitive card game for these sort of events or just in general there's an adjustment period to yep. what the new requirements are. And I'm I'm fine with that. And ultimately, at the end of the day, whatever system is decided to be the official floor rules, I'm just going to go with it. To me, I would say I'm going to these events. It's intended to be a destination event. I'm going to, because I want to play Transformers, and I probably want to spend all day and night playing Transformers. So I'm okay with the long days. My only rub for this is what we're looking at for Gen Con in that, okay, you have event one on Thursday or Friday, whatever day, and event two, there's like no chance if you have to play all the rounds that you're going to make it into the other one. Or maybe there's a a slight chance, but odds are you're you're up a creek. Oh, you will be because I believe, well, and we can talk about this again later, I believe the player base is only going to increase. Yes. So the rounds are only going to increase. So absolutely. So it to me that would be a problem because obviously it's a frustrating experience that like you're on the bubble and it's like okay I just got to win and in and then you lose. But that happens. Like that's life. Um, mm-hmm. I I would prefer if you could play in both events. Just but the logistics may not work out that way. Now I don't know, especially since you said that it's not technically the official schedule what the first event start time. I'm curious why it was 11 as opposed to say 10 or nine. I think it's, I think it's what time you're allowed to actually get into the hall. And I think they're running like the two, the, uh, the turbo thing at 10 to give people like time to play relax for a bit before they start into the competition. But I mean, like, Mm. and I can get, I can get behind that. That's fine. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that the logistics of the of Origins would have changed, would have influenced it enough to say that they needed to change the times or anything like that. In my opinion, I mean, you can. It's going to come down to how many, like what the actual numbers are, both for people and how many rounds. One obviously derived from the other. Uh, how many draws, etc. But if you pushed it up an hour, that's six extra ten minutes you can stack on somewhere. Obviously, those 10 minutes aren't always cleanly assigned because, you know, there's administrative things that have to go on. Or as we discussed, somebody just is wandering around and needs to find their table. But I think there are ways that they could accommodate a longer round as well as accomplishing the things they want to do. So to me, it's I'm not quite sure outside of we want the community to play faster, what exactly the target goal is. And that's why I'm assuming it's just we don't like intent unintentional draws. I mean, yeah, because it takes you at, at some point it becomes equal to a loss. I mean, I was one Oh and two Agreed. at one point. Mm-hmm. So like I was, I was in the, I can't lose again bracket, like three, one and two would not have made it over four and two. Mm-hmm. So I was in, I was in a no, no lose situation at that point. Yeah. I know there are so, other competitive games that do have, similar challenges and they have 
you know, people will hit top eight or top X with like four draws because of the size of the events and that the game tends to push draws anyway by the way it works. Um, it sounds like we are never going to approach that based on both the conversation that you outlined and then also what Ken put up in the write-up today. Yeah, agreed. Um, and it sounds like for you personally, at least, that it that all it's green lights across the board. Just go ahead with whatever he he happens to determine there, right? Yeah, I just think going forward, and especially at Gen Con, like I I, I hate to say this, but I'm giving no quarter whatsoever. Like, I, and people can give me no quarter either. Like, I'm going to speed people up if they're playing a slow deck, or I'm and I'm playing a slow deck, or vice versa. Like, there's just not gonna. It, there just isn't. It's the game is only going to get harder. Like, like I'm not mm. saying I you have to call a judge on people for slow playing, but you have to. You just have to explain to people like, look, you look at their lineup, you know what type of deck they're playing. Mm. Look, we're not going to get this game done. We're not going to get this match done unless we play at a reasonable pace. So you, we have to play. And I would just say to my opponent, we have to play at a reasonable pace. And if if I feel like we're not, I'm going to call a judge and just say I don't think we're playing at a reasonable pace, and this puts me at a disadvantage because. I know I can play at a reasonable pace if my opponent can. I'm not saying they're slow playing and influencing the time, but they just we want to we want the game to be decided by something other than the game actions as opposed to the clock. Yeah, and I think and I think you just have to be that way. I think you have no choice. You have to be that way. Yeah, that that's a little bit of a. uh, We are going to talk about a little bit more of that, and probably down the line outside of this show, those sort of things. um, Where it's there is a difference between slow playing and you're just playing slow however they can a it's very hard to tell the difference for especially new players and b it may not ultimately be that much different as far as the grand scheme end result like either one could cause you to draw or change the outcome it's just kind of intent with dividing the line yeah i agree so it it's definitely something that anyone going to Gen Con be cognizant of. How much do you think that, I mean, I mentioned it earlier, it's going to be a a brand new meta. And we've mentioned it before on other shows that that often brings out a lot of aggressive strategies for a number of reasons. Do you think that combined with that, that it's just going to be a sea of orange going into the, the qualifiers there? I have no idea. It's too early to say. <laughs> you're, you're not going to make a prediction. Come on, we got to get you on the spot. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea. Uh, I know. I know. I'm just busting <laughs> your chops. Um, <laughs> we uh, we had Mark make a bold prediction in uh, the Vector Sigma Discord, so I got to get you to make a bold prediction too. <laughs> yeah, I don't need to make bold predictions. I'm qualified for December. <laughs> oh, uh, that, <laughs> them's be fighting words. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll he'll uh, have a retort at a later time. Uh, but anyway, um, any other thoughts on the time constraints specifically, or, or the, no, the, the time being, in general? I, I think I think it's being overblown because it was mm. the first event, and I think it's a lot of players that weren't used to this. And again, I just believe that it needs to be stressed at the local level. Yeah. Now that is unfortunately, I mean, it's like anything else. If it's not a controlled setting. It's however people do it. So it'll clearly be hit or miss. But hopefully people will get in the rhythm. And then just like we talked about last time or the time before, the competitive events bring up the skill level 
this just happened, like playing quickly or under pressure when it comes to time is just another skill to hone. Mm -hmm. So that I think people should look at it like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Dan's losing his mind in chat. Um, mm -hmm. We did have a couple other people uh, saying they would like to start at nine instead of 11 just so they could have uh that's not, that's not gonna happen well but so the suggestion was start at nine instead of 11 keep the 50 minute round so that you have a break in between i think there yeah, might be maybe not this isn't this isn't other companies they don't there's no breaks well yes um <laughs> there could be i guess some room to play but i don't think we're gonna get that extreme i would love it but i don't think it's gonna happen realistically yeah uh if players don't know their deck well enough you have to play faster and accurate ask your opponents to play make faster decisions that is true and i think that's going to play in again with the new meta of just getting used to things um got to set a standard if you give people 10 minutes i'm will take 11 yes you are correct i do however think again that goes to my point earlier of is that scenario clearly there's going to be fewer people or i'd like to believe maybe i'm wrong there will be fewer people that would take 11 minutes if you give them those 10 than there are right now who are going to push it to the 50 minutes or 51st minute. Uh, maybe that's not the the case. I don't really have a can't think of any way off the top of my head to really gauge that, but I'd like to believe that <laughs> there's uh, the good in people, I guess, or something like that. I don't know. Um, okay. And then one last thing saying they agreed about people going heavy orange, but we will see. So time constraints, we'll cut that one off. Uh, the next one up is the meta evolution, we'll call it. So there is a breakdown on here of at least the decks that Mark was able to and the rest of the team was able to collate through the weekend and then also the top eight. So it's going to rotate for everybody watching. And then I also have my Optimus Prime turning into Power Master Optimus because I thought it was fun and appropriate. Uh, sure. <laughs> the, so <laughs> this I wanted to talk to you about because we had mentioned it on previous shows how do you feel that qualifier one to qualifier four which i know not everybody was there for um how do you feel it changed did it influence things did people care was it just there were new faces who were trying new things or d did people really look at the previous qualifier and say okay i need to figure out how to beat that uh, all of the above even more though not all of the above were actual factors if that makes sense. Well, I'll elaborate on it because I think I follow you, but <laughs> I'll, I'll play dumb for maybe not play dumb. I am dumb, but go ahead. Elaborate for me. <laughs> so I think the final one about reacting to what people did the day before was completely overblown. I think most of the time it was just people playing what they wanted to play. Mm -hmm. um, because to be honest with you, a lot of people that qualified on day A did not even show up to play on day B. So that, okay. that's number one, why that was a bad call. Um, and number two, sometimes when people did show up, qualified for day A, and then played in day B, they um, they wanted to play something different. Well, you had mentioned um, that earlier, and yeah, a bunch of the other team members had played a variety of things. Yeah, so I wasn't there on Thursday, um, but and I and Thursday was expectedly very well attended. Um, so. If we throw that one out because it, it's just a weird data point being like half the size of the other ones, yeah. Um, 
I mean, it, it's it's not not a competitive tournament. I don't mean like that. I just mean like it, it, it just it, it's it was a heavily influenced meta, as you can see on your screen, just as like you know the the dominance of certain decks over others, mm. and then it completely shifted the next day to what seems like a deck that was really good against the decks on day one. But I can tell you, like at least for Dan and I, who day who top aided on day two. We played aerial bots not because a bunch of people played insecticons on day one. We played it because it's the deck we're most comfortable with, right? Um, and I again, I, I like I said, I think I gotta think about. It. I think as far as I know, only like either three out of eight or at max half the people that qualified on day one played even in day two. Okay. So like, and they and they all played different decks. So like, again, I don't I don't think that was necessarily the factor. Okay. Um, so anyone that did do that was pretty much overcompensating and probably didn't do as well because they went too far in their direction and either played a bunch of mirror matches against the other people that felt in that direction, mm -hmm. or it probably just wasn't a good call. Like I, you know, I still maintain in this game that you should play what you're comfortable. So like, and switching to that other decks may have had a huge influence on the time thing that we talked about earlier. Yeah. So, um, so the meta changed throughout the weekend, but I think it was like you said. I, definitely, the Thursday to Friday was a bunch of new players showing up because a lot of players just didn't play on Thursday, gotcha. as you can see by the pure numbers. Yeah, and again, um, I don't yeah. have all the numbers, so if somebody sits there and counts it up, yes, the numbers don't all match up. Four players yeah. did not make up the top eight on the last qualifier. There were eight. We just don't have. I I think Wizards is going to release all that information at some stage. Well, there were nineteen on day one, mm. something like thirty six on day two. Right, forty-two on Saturday morning, and I don't. I think, I think in the high thirties because it was still six rounds, so it would have to be over thirty-two. Right. So I want to say it was like thirty-four registered for Saturday night. I don't know how many of them. I don't think many of them stayed in the whole time because some of the overlap. Like, I mean, I know I got a refund. I wasn't part of the thirty-four, but like, I know some people like just played a couple rounds and then dropped out uh, just to get more practice, and then if they were already qualified and things like that. So, right. Um. But it was definitely over 32, because hence we had six rounds. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of it, honestly, was people just playing what they were comfortable with, and it happened to work out the way it did. So I don't... I, I, yes, there was a meta that evolved over the weekend, but I think that's kind of overblown. Mm -hmm. um, just because the number of decks that did well yeah, it just speaks to me that it wasn't really as as defined as that I when you say number saying. of decks you mean variety of archetypes yes, yes okay and you know certain groups of players all playing similar decks on similar days also might have skewed the results yes for lack of a better way of stating that well i mean we are talking about <laughs> it. i mean it's a large event at over 40 but 40 is not a huge number. You could have a, a portion of people all playing the same deck that would definitely influence percentages there. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the you're saying the big boogeyman of, oh man, you better make sure you're you're trying to meta everybody that's there it was basically irrelevant. Um, I'm not sure... It's not that it was irrelevant. It's just, it's just that it, it. You should have been doing that before the tournaments even began. Mm. So you should have been ready for that. Don't understanding like if, if that was going to influence your decision, then like it should have influenced your decision before you showed up to 
whichever one of the first tournaments you played in. Just, Would it be safe to say that they were you, ill-prepared you, if that was the primary focus? I wouldn't say. No, I don't think it's... It's just, it's just not the way I would have approached it. Okay. I'm not like I don't think that was a, would have been a mistake. I mean, if somebody truly believes that they could play any one of these five decks equally, I think that's wrong. But like, I I think. Well, I can play I them equally. They're just all I play them poorly. So technically, <laughs> well, it's all equal. <laughs> it's just no, it's really bad. There's there's shades of the coin. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Um. So. I mean, if, if that was truly the case, then it would be fine. Like, you know, I wouldn't have an issue with it. But uh. like, in my opinion, especially the way that the meta ended, quote, I know there's like two weeks um, of wave two. Is there really, we, though? We, no, no yeah. I mean, people there's can't. A of, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. Well, I, I have an event that I'm going to try and go to in two days. But at the same time, I'm looking at all that, that wave three stuff. At, I, all right. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. We'll, we'll do that later. <laughs> Anyway. Sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, the way that the way that we determined the pre sideboard meta of Wave Two was like like, and Dan said in his article, like it was like choose what you want to lose to. Yes. So if that inf- if if what you knew you were weak against, and again losing to something quote is more than fifty percent, and your play skill can influence it, and so on and so forth. But yes. if you knew you had a bad matchup. And you expected to see that bad matchup because the results of events anywhere on site, I don't know, especially the top eight of an event of people that qualified. What's their incentive to show up the next day playing the exact same thing just to get more practice with the same exact deck? Like, didn't they have enough practice? Like, Maybe. I, I mean, mean, somebody actually said this in chat that, uh, it, I mean, to uh, to channel Forrest Gump, tournament metas are like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Everybody brings the deck they do for different reasons. And I can get behind that because right. it, it's entirely possible that person that top eight it with bugs, just they, maybe they're a huge ins- Insecticons fan. Like kickback is their dude. And like they're playing kickback. You know what I mean? There could be any reason, but I, I get your point that. Did you swoop in for another podcast with that comment? What was that? <laughs> Did you swoop in from another podcast with that comment? <laughs> Maybe because like, I don't th- I don't think that has a place in this conversation. Um, <laughs> um, but where I'm going with it is that I know you're, I know what you're saying. Yeah. It's just that like I think the issue is if you knew you were weak to certain matchups. Yeah, and and seeing that matchup do well the day before influence that. Then like you didn't call like you didn't I don't know you didn't prepare well for the event period like you might have just gotten unlucky in the one event you played in that you faced that matchup but you could go through the whole tournament not facing that matchup and you saw four of them make top eight because they avoided their bad matchup so like i, I would not i would never change what i was doing mm. in a qualifier type event now in the top 32 if i knew who the 32 people were and spoiler i, I knew who most of them were and what they played <laughs> yeah. in, in the other events like that that could influence i that decision but to say like a day two qualifier, you're going to be influenced by what happened on day one because you because your bad matchup did well. Like, what is suddenly everybody else just going to switch to play that deck because they saw it do well? Like that piggybacking that you're talking about, like I think mm. is a bad strategy. Well, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I think it's uh, it's just too unpredictable for that sort of thing. I think you have to look at the meta in general. I guess. 
as far you know like you said when you're coming in you're expecting a or b or whatever your matchups are make your decisions on a little more concrete ground than well i saw this show up at at literally midnight this was the top eight i'm gonna change my deck at four in the morning for tomorrow you know that that doesn't sound very sound no, and and Gen Con might be different because it's a new set and something might have been discovered, and you see an interaction that you weren't prepared for or thought about, and that's that might, fair. And you might, if you have time to test it, but in this type of meta, I don't think that should have happened. Mm. So that's fair. So again, like of the next two major events, I think both of them are going to be influenced by new sets. So that may happen just as a reaction to what other people are playing, but not because of what did well in my, the way I see it. That's fair. Good enough for me. Um, any other thoughts on how the meta, which again is kind of dead, either evolved for the weekend or any closing thoughts on the Rise of the Combiners meta? Because I anticipate we're probably not going to revisit it too much <laughs> from here on out. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I think the smartest thing we did as a team was knew a deck that we were going to play on Sunday as opposed to the other qualifiers. Gotcha. Um, and we only were going to use this deck if we absolutely had to in one of the Saturday qualifiers if we did not qualify early. So I think one of the biggest pieces of advice I can give to anybody showing up to one of these events is show up the first day because it'll just give you more time to either not play your best deck if such a thing occurs mm-hmm. or um, just relax more because you're oh, absolutely. qualified. There's a lot play, less pressure like, than trying to yeah. qualify Saturday night. <laughs> and it gives you an opportunity to play things that you thought were not as good, but you get to see how they interact in the meta, so it's still oh, yeah. like influence your decision. So. For sure. Especially, again, like you said, we're looking at new things. Maybe it's worth yeah, like live fire testing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one of the one of the most important things I would say that you could... Mm-hmm. that like experience in the game will give you is the ability to play more than one deck um well mm-hmm. uh to be able to qualify with one and play a different one um in the in the open in the top 32 right so so that's something that's an important skill i would say you know we had i don't know five or six decks that we felt were playable in the qualifiers and obviously one that we felt was playable in you know more playable in the or a couple actually that were more playable in the open. Um, so you know that's one of the advantages of having a team, obviously. Of course. Um, but I mean, in terms of Rise of Combiner Meadow, like I mean, I, I think there was a lot. You know, I never got around to writing it, but like I still believe the meta game is a continuum. That I still believe that you know it expanded the game to to have more playable decks. Um, because of where you fit on the continuum between mm. the aggro side, the control side, and the aggro control side. And, like, you could make a control deck that was good against other control decks, but weaker to aggro decks, and vice versa. You could make an aggro control deck that was strong on one side and weak to another. Um, I still am continuously impressed um, by the game itself that, you know, a five-card swap in a battle deck can make the difference, or a one-character swap um can make the difference in how an entire matchup plays or how an entire side of this continuum plays out. So um I, I think the I, I personally think the Rise of the Combiners meta is healthy. Mm. Um 
you know, I don't think there was one unbeatable deck. I don't think that, um, I think given more time with sideboards, things would have evolved differently on all sides. I mean, that's Um, a pretty significant change. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's, it's hard to say that we can just take one event with, you know, five events, I guess, with sideboards and really say that what had happened. But I mean, different decks rose at the top each day. Um, different decks were playable by different players. Um, mm. So I think the meta was pretty healthy, personally. Um, like we said, like no deck was unbeatable and no deck had like an amazing matchup against everything. Right. Um, so <sighs> some some decks were just better in certain players' hands and some decks were just better against certain axes of that continuum. Right. Um, and certain decks were bad against uh, <laughs> multiple aspects of that continuum. Well, and so, you know. I mean, that is a sign of something healthy that it is, you have advantages and disadvantages, not I'm all upside all the time because that leads to really stagnant play patterns. Yeah, I, I think, I, I don't, I don't think just because uh, you know, three wide optimists won this event, and three wide optimists had been doing all the end of wave one. That it, like it was the same thing throughout. I mean, this was the first time it saw any major play in the entire meta. And I, I understand again, we are fortunate that we live in an area where we can see a meta game develop over the wave. I'm oh, hoping, absolutely. I'm assuming and hoping that during from now on out, we will see that through the qualifier seasons, through other qualifier seasons. I assume that will happen, and through other local metas that will pick themselves up so it won't be as... So I, I hope that other people will get to experience it as much as we have. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, this was new. But yeah. I, but if like if, you, if you're swooping in and seeing some coverage from PAX and then seeing some coverage from Origins like seven months apart from each other, like, okay, like it's not like nothing happened in between that seven months. Yeah, I, I could see how somebody not in the know could get that impression, but at the same time, you have to take a step back and it, exactly what you said. There's yeah. things so, I happened. Mean, I think it's, I think that I think the meta game is state um, personally, and I think the sideboard thing helped in that situation. I, I think it made certain matchups positive. I think it allowed more cards to see play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think certain cards were still evolving over the meta to see more in play. Like, you know, I had never played an enforcement batons until this weekend and now I would play it more often. Right. Makes sense. For example. Um, So, you know, I think it's, I think it's healthy. I'm not saying that, I don't know that no stones were left unturned. I'm not Mm -hmm. positive about that. And I'm not sure that certain archetypes were underrepresented. Um, Like, do I wish there was another combiner team that would see play besides aerial bots and sentinels not combining? Sure. Yeah. But what can you do? Like, I don't know that that's possible. Yeah, sometimes um, the uh, the themes are there, but they may just not have the strength. It's just the way the cards come out sometimes. Yeah, but it doesn't mean that there's not battle cards that won't cause that to happen in the next wave. Absolutely. So just be aware, just be aware of that. So I mean, we said that at the um, beginning of Rise of the Combiners, that it's important to make sure you look back at what are, has already happened and what things already exist, because they don't just disappear into the ether because the new the new toys came out. Yeah. I mean, I played against two Stuntagon decks on Saturday, and it was... I saw, like, where they would have been viable. I mean, I won the match, but, like, it wasn't as clear-cut as I thought just because most of their guys had two defense, and it, that was annoying for me playing cards. Yeah. So... Makes sense. You know? So, I, I don't know. I think the meta was pretty healthy, personally, so... Awesome. 
Well, unfortunately, or well, maybe not unfortunately, but we will be leaving it in the very near future. But a few comments you made kind of segue into the next section, unless there's anything else you want to add in there. Nope. Uh, which is actually sideboards. So you'd mentioned a whole lot of things about sideboards there briefly. And obviously, we're not going to be able to cover everything about it because it is an expansive topic. Um, how did you feel about the the first live test of these? Uh, my aerobots one was terrible. <laughs> um, terrible as in you you feel that it, in retrospect it was built incorrectly, or terrible as in it just you didn't see what you wanted to see, and therefore you never boarded. It was built incorrectly. Okay. Um, I mean, some of the cards were good, but a lot of the cards were bad. <laughs> All um, right. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it allowed you to. I, f I was fine not having sideboards. Like I, I always had, like you know, certain cards in my deck that were good in certain matchups and bad in other ones. Um, but I think it. I think it. It enhanced my ability to win the matchups I was good in and, and help my matchups where I wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, I think the the bot thing needs to be explored further. Um, especially with, again, if there was more time, I think it would have been explored further because I think a lot of people just didn't take advantage of it as much as possible. I could see that, um, yeah. I mean, we certainly took advantage of it. I played Optimus Battlefield Legend in my Aerobot sideboard and Nemesis in my three-wide sideboard. So, like, clearly, mm. like, we knew we were prepared to do that part. Right. Uh, and other people did it. Other people did as well. They had traditional sideboards as well, but that's not as easy with certain lineups yeah it all depends um, on what you're originally starting out with i guess yeah i think i think the whole like i think it wasn't as many battle cards as as i have feared like i don't think people wholesale always cited in 10 cards or anything. gotcha do you see that um, that was a matter of unfamiliarity with sideboards or do you think in general that that fear is now unfounded i think that fear is unfounded okay That's probably more of an accurate assessment I mean, obviously, um, I you, you can... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Like, you could improve your matchup by putting in a cyborg card that was strictly really good against one matchup, but then, like, was better than this other card anyway, so I might as well just put it in. Gotcha. Um, so I could see where you would put in 10 cards that way, but I don't think that was as heavily influenced as others. You didn't see somebody boarding in 10 cards to try and turn a... Uh, <laughs> I know you hate this, but a 90-10 matchup into, like, 70-30 kind of thing is what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, not not really. I don't think mm. that I saw. I couldn't really tell what people. The only it's real. It was really hard in this game. Like I didn't do as good of a job at looking at my opponent's scrap pile as much as I should to really see what they were boarding in. To be honest with you, I probably should have done that. Um, unless mm. it was a green card, like I knew, like oh, you sideboarded cornered, got it, like duh, yeah. like where else would that could? Like it's not your main deck. So. <laughs> well, I, w I um, would hope not. <laughs> I mean, right. you, you never know, but. <laughs> There were certain ubiquitous cards that people played, like Force Field and... Makes sense. And Batons and, like, Cornered and... Um, I'm trying to think what else people played. Um, Photon Bomb, not as many people played as they should. Mm -hmm. um, and things like that, but I, I don't know that... A lot of people did not have sideboards that were, like, 10 one-offs. Like, we had... Um, and you can watch the video by the time this goes live um, mm -hmm. on like the decisions, like how long it took us to decide on our sideboard, for example, um, and the conversations we had around putting cards in our sideboards. Right. Um, so I'm not saying everybody else didn't do that. I don't know because um, I just didn't. 
I didn't see enough of them to uh, to really respond. Gotcha. Like to know what people did. So makes sense. I don't think it was. I think it was overblown. Um, it definitely helped certain matchups. Um, it definitely influenced our decision as to what to run Sunday, for example. Um, but I don't think it mattered quite as much as people thought it was going to. I just thought it enhanced the game. I don't think it was anything negative. Gotcha. Now, to bring it back to an earlier discussion, do you feel that the sideboards were a huge impact as far as taking up time in between games? Yes. Like that? And I would would enforce the three-minute rule for sideboarding there, and I would would suggest you enforce that on your opponents as well. Gotcha. It, It was... I know the... The procedure, the, the kind of the pomp and circumstance of how you're supposed to sideboard, uh, where it, you know player one does their thing, presents player two does their thing, and you're supposed to go in sequence. Uh, Ken had alluded to potentially modifying that to you know you present your teams and then you do everything else simultaneously, um, which is what most people were doing anyway. Because that's what I was about to like, ask. Yeah, like, is that what it boiled yeah. down to? I didn't sit there waiting for my opponent to like hmm, present your team uh, or I won my first game. Here's my team. You present your team. I'm not going to touch my battle deck until you present your team. Like, no, that's just a waste of time. Yeah. Like people were, people weren't exactly following those four orders, but they were when they were with the characters, but like everyone was just cyborging their battle cards. Like at the same time. I mean, that, that kind of makes matter. sense. I could see where, you know, <laughs> obviously if you're talking about, well, you were boarding Optimus in your aerial bots, that might influence people's decisions, maybe, you know, or some other sort of thing along those lines for modifying your team greatly. But otherwise, yeah, it's just, that seems almost like but a waste of time. I didn't otherwise. hold my opponent. When I did that, I didn't hold my opponent to like, no, you can't touch your battle deck again because you presented it. Like, oh, you know, yeah. the rules say you can change it at this point. So, right. you know, it was fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that, I'm sure that will be one of the the modifications moving forward as we get closer to the actual Invitational. But uh, as far as sideboards themselves, any other tips that you want to send out there into the world for people that are trying to gear up towards Gen Con? Obviously, we're going to be coming back to this topic several times, both here as well as uh, through other Vector Sigma media. But I think it's important to know what your bad cards in your main deck are that you want to side out and how many they are so you can prepare how many cards in your sideboard are going to make up for that. And if that's not possible, then you probably didn't build it right because you're trying to take out too many cards that are bad in certain matchups. Gotcha. So you probably have a, a, a deck building error in some way, shape, or form. You should be able to make the same number of cuts. It may not be optimal. Like, obviously, there's always a better card you can play that oh. you're not playing, I'm sure, but like... Well, yeah. If you have three unoptimal cards in a certain matchup, then you should be able to side in three optimal cards in that situation if they're not, like, the best thing ever, but at least are better than what those three cards are. Seven gotcha. cards, you need to be able to do that, so... Makes that's sense. That's what I would say there. Yeah. Cool. Uh, one of the topics that are not on, or is not rather, I can't talk, uh, is not on the topic list, but I wanted to bring it up real quick is uh, just the top eight lists in general. We didn't want to go too far into them, but especially since uh, Stefan looks like he's, is he still in chat? Shout out to Stefan and congratulations on the W taking it down. Um, 
any general thoughts on what ended up making the top eight, Scott? Uh, they were all good decks. Um, they were, again, like we talked about briefly, like, you know, the Optimus coming back into the metagame for this specific event and specifically for the Sunday. Mm. Um, so that doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, the top 32 is very much about matchups because it's single elimination. So, like, it's very much like if you get a favorable matchup in the top 32 that's heavily in your favor, you're making the top 16. You know, there's massive players wow. or just really, really horrible draws. So, like, mm. it was very, very influenced by what people played early on. So, um, you know, I'm not... I, I guess I'm not surprised by what rose to the top. Like, I think it's a representation of what was doing well in this tournament and what had good game against what was faced off against in the early rounds. Mm-hmm. I think I, like, I don't have the numbers of the top 32. I don't know. If, I don't know if wizards has them like what the top full breakdown is, but I think I just, I'm pretty sure the top 32 um, on Sunday was a representation of the metagame in general. The only deck I know that was pretty much missing was Metroplex, which surprised me considering there were a decent number of players playing them in the qualifiers. Yes. So I would say that was the only deck I would say that I didn't see represented that I thought was at least somewhat in the meta that wasn't represented on Sunday. But like, I know there were Aerobot decks. I know there was a decent number of Insecticon decks. Um, but decks on the polls, like Aerobots on the control side and um, Insecticons on the aggressive side have a lot of bad matchups. Like, I mean, yes, right. they have a lot of very good matchups. Um, but it's like I've said numerous times, it's not a rock, paper, scissors. So, like, mm. that's why you don't see a lot of sentinels. You even said it a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. It's, that's why you don't see, like, you didn't see a lot of sentinels because that lies in the middle. And so it has a really, really bad matchup against Insecticons and a good, you know, a decent matchup against Aerial Bots, but it's not perfect. So, like, what are its good matchups? I don't know. That's why you don't see a lot of Dinobots, which has can have favorable matchups against everything. Can it, it's basically like a 55-45 somewhere split against everything. Right. So you didn't want to play a deck like that. Like, you'd rather take a stance against certain strategies and and move forward based on matchups than um, just play something that was kind of down the middle against mm. everything. Right. Um, and then your familiarity... I think the top 32 was pretty representative of what the meta was in general, other than the fact that, like, you know, there was a plethora of uh, three wide optimists, but, you know, four of us on the same team played. So that gets skewed a little bit. Again, so. it's it, small numbers. It does, uh, yeah. <laughs> you can very easily skew things. Yeah. But overall, it, it, and there were definitely some interesting things. I know a lot of people, shout out to Brian. Um, we're asking about his list. Um, clearly, you know, Dan talked about his thoughts uh, about Origins as a whole. I'm I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I'm not too surprised, at least looking at the top eight. Um, I'm looking forward to when, if Wizards is intending to release the remainder of the information just for posterity's sake, I guess, at this point. Yeah, I, I just think you would, if you saw the brackets, you'd probably find a lot of positive matchups moving on. It doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me. It's a single elimination for me. So, Absolutely. Um, I'd, just be, I'd be curious to see that if that exists. Yeah. I'm sure it exists. Whether we will see it is another story. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So, like I said, I just wanted to stick those in there again. Shout out to Stefan. Congratulations again. Well done. Um, yeah, and I don't want to take anything away from anybody that did well. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh, I, just, I uh, yeah. didn't take it that way either. No. So I hope nobody out there listening no. did because that's definitely not the intent. Yeah, I just think I think you saw a difference between Sunday and the qualifiers, specifically because of the elimination format. Just right. Um, different cream rose to the top when there's not any margin for error. Right. Because if you made it that so. far, I think the assumption is you're pretty good. You're probably running something pretty decent. But I mean, you're comfortable with. I yeah, mean, you the very think least. has the most game against the most number of decks, or you're just taking a stand and saying, like, this is my bad matchup. If I run into it, I lose. If I run into these six out of these other seven decks, I'm good to go. Like, right. You could do that as well. So, Yep, makes sense. Uh, so, like I said, just kind of squeezing that one in there. So... One other thing that we wanted to touch on briefly was I originally had, when I was writing up the topic list, new player experience, but that's not really it. It's a new competitor experience. And um, I know I've been brainstorming stuff that I kind of wanted to write up for VectorSigma.info anyway along this topic. But Scott, you alluded to a number of things, especially when we're talking about the time, uh, the time rules and, and time constraints in general about the community adjusting as a whole. And it sounds as though there were a number of either, maybe not completely new, but newer faces that I guess were sort of new to the game. Maybe they're new or even people that aren't new to the game, but maybe new to the tournament scene. Any general thoughts on what people should be aware of? We've mentioned the, Hey, you might have to keep track of your opponent's play speed. Anything else that stood out to you over the course of the weekend that you want to advise people on? I think each one of the things I mentioned could be their own topic at a later date. Well, yes, they we're gonna we're gonna. That's <laughs> so, why I said we're gonna get into a lot of these things, but if not it would right take, this it second, would, <laughs> it would take too long to to get into. To be honest with you, okay, that's completely fair, and it's something again that we'll we'll have to get to because it is there's a lot to learn about how to play tournaments as compared to just sitting at your table. Yeah, for sure. So uh, aside from that, that kind of does it for part one. Um, We wanted to, or I wanted to ask you, Scott, what is the roadmap going forward is as we're, we're now past origins. We're looking towards the next set. We're looking towards Gen Con. What can everybody out there expect now that the Vector Sigma team is back home from this tournament with us or with the game well with with us going forward like what's the uh content schedule looking like oh okay sorry didn't understand Um, (laughs) i didn't i i know i'm very (laughs) elaborate and long-winded so sorry about that uh we we discussed uh putting more emphasis back on the website so we've been doing a lot of video and audio content um and kind of haven't taken the forefront of as many art so I think you expect more than um, due to the nature of Gen Con being, I actually got the email being 40 days away um, in case I didn't make it clear. And like anyone listening live, like, um, we're going to be trying to two tech talks in a night and then release them on opposing weeks. That way we can actually play test on the off week. Right. Um, for example, um, Pretty, I mean, that's, I mean, we're doing, we as a team won two boxes of Siege in addition to the packs we got all the time, so 
we're going to be doing like a lot of sealed deck coverage um, this week coming up to prepare people for the um, release events. Um, we're not huge fans of just opening boxes, so we do it for so building sealed decks. I built one on site with six packs we just had, like that we got from the events, and then built that like actually the night before. So, so Saturday night, I built like one sealed deck, so that'll be released uh, later this week, which might give you might help you understand the thought process going into your release events. Um, other than that, I mean, there's just so much with a new set to really absorb, and like with what, like at least three major new mechanics to the game. Yeah, like secret actions, micromasters, and battle masters. Right. So, so um, there's a lot of research to be done. I think is safe to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, bring you into the world as, as best as we can, um, or as, as forthright as we can be, given given the responsibilities we have to certain people So right. and ourselves. So Of course. Uh, but, I mean, we're, as far as I know, like four of us are going to Gen Con on the team. Or five of us, sorry. You're, you're not staying with us, but... Of us are going. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not in the room. I don't exist. No, I was. I was. I know. I know. I was, I was actually working on lodging today. Oh, okay, okay. How, much, how many of you were going? Um, yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're not going to like we're not stopping because uh, I think I wrote the stat down like 67 percent of us are qualified or something. Like that. That's not going to change. Like, we're gonna. Mm -hmm. Like once the qualifier season is up and running, even past yet, I I think most of the ones in our We'll be post Gen Con. We're going to be going to as many of those as we possibly can, given Absolutely. strengths for each person, um, especially to get the people qualified that haven't yet, um, and to help other people as well. Um, so, like, we don't intend to. I mean, and, and that was self-evident by us. Like, you know, for example, playing in additional Origins qualifiers after people were qualified, we played the next day. Also, and it wasn't just to get a bunch of prize tickets; just to right. get more experience with the game. I think it can only help you. Um, from there, so right, um, you you can expect to see full deck list, video, audio, written coverage from us throughout qualifier season. But um, I think people like the daily recaps from Origins, so like you expect to see those again come Gen Con, right? Uh, because people they seem to be positively responded to. Um, obviously, we'll do them as well. Um, but that only happens once. It's like, I'm not going to do a... I don't think... I mean, we might... We'll do on-site <laughs> events, but... Sorry, like. sorry, I'm reading chat. Uh, uh -huh. There there, there were uh, some special requests for the... Uh, the recaps. <laughs> and uh, if people don't know what it is, if you're not watching this, re you can read some of the comments on the recaps. I think you'll be able to piece it together. There won't be feet involved. Oh, no! <laughs> well, that's exactly... Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, I don't, know. I don't know that we can find another nice... Fight. See, now what we need um, to do is we need to draw a face on Mark's foot <laughs> and pretend his foot is like a puppet <laughs> and then have his foot talk to the camera the whole time. That's possible. <laughs> um, oh, my God. We can make that happen if you really... <laughs> yeah. Is that going to be another tier? Sure. <laughs> Patreon. Um, oh dear God! 
I so yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. So my uh, idiocy aside, um, <laughs> just can I apologize? It's just long, really funny. To long, me. long day. Long uh, day. Every day is a long day. <laughs> uh, I think I literally got one hour of sleep last night. So uh, we're gonna see how how we can do for second half of this. But anyway. Uh, any other closing thoughts before we uh, put the ball on this one, Scott? No, I mean one of the, I guess one of the things you and I discussed mm. we're going to address our topics here. So like we're trying to do one week of basically what we talked about like the tournament prep, right? Um, and the suggestions we can give as best as possible because I really believe that there's a lot to be learned from that. Yes. Um, I guess I guess I'll just with, with the more you know for this week. Uh, <laughs> When you're at, at these destination type events, show up on the first day. I didn't show up on the first day, and I think that was a mistake. Mm. Um, I just believe that you have some sort of, quote, jet lag. I guess I had driving lag. I don't know what you would call it. I mean, that um, that is a thing. Like, if you're stuck in right. a car for a while, like, you don't feel good. And you're not... Right. Your brain is not... I mean, it's different for everybody, but I know me. Like, if I can't... I don't get super car sick, but I don't feel good in a car if I'm there for a long time. Yeah, so, I mean, and this has nothing to do with the number of people that showed up on the Thursday versus the other day. It's just that I think as early as possible, you want to put yourself in the mindset. Yeah. And so if you can afford to take the extra day off, like, I just think it has a dramatic impact on, like, I don't have to worry about when I'm going to get my badge, like, after everybody else. Or I don't have to worry, like, you know, the the things that you should be taking care of on, you know, like at Gen Con, for example, you can take care of it on um, like if you have the ability to do that, mm. do that and don't wait in the massive line on Thursday morning. So as best as possible, get to the event the day before that you plan to start actually competing at the event. Yep. Um, because there's going to be people that are rolling in there the morning of and, and things like that. And I think you're just going to have like a, I don't know, psychological, if not, if not physical advantage over them. Yeah. Uh, in that way. So. I mean, I'm, we've all, especially anybody who's been playing card games, you, you've you probably done it yourself where you've known people or read about people that stayed up all night or drove all night, showed up to the tournament with a deck they barely saw and they still managed to do well. But mm-hmm. you're, you're putting, extra, like that's a lot of extra weight on your shoulders. You're putting yourself inherently at a disadvantage by doing those things. Being there a day early, resting, eating, you know, all the... To, like showering, you know, all those things that sound like, oh, well, what, how does that impact what I'm going to do the next? It, it matters, believe me. Yeah, and again, given the strenuous nature of the days, given yeah. the time constraints we've we've beat, beat the horse to death on, um, mm. you're not going to, like, have time to go grab that hot dog if you didn't eat breakfast. So, like, yeah. be, being there the night before will just give you the ability to do that and and also you don't have to eat crappy pizza when you get like i did at so, uh, that's another yeah getting point. getting a real meal is important yeah uh-huh. <laughs> all right well i i think that'll do it for now as scott said we're definitely going to circle back to this as well as a, a number of other topics either on the show or through other media but definitely stay tuned for that so as always thank you everybody for listening thank you for watching and please tune in next time for more randoms thoughts